Welcome back to this, the 16th episode of the Startwell podcast. I'm Startwell's founder and CEO, Kasim Virgi. And once again, I'll be bringing some interesting voices to the mic. The recording, which you're about to listen to, was captured last night live as part of our New Realities programming uh, channel. Through 2019, you'll be able to come to Startwell as well as tune in to our various media channels online to hear voices from augmented reality, virtual reality, and whatever else the kids are calling it. Anything that essentially is questioning, um, using technology to question kind of our understanding of uh, subjective and objective realities. Uh, in partnership with organizations like Augmented World Expo and the AWE Night TO chapter, which this event was held in partnership with last night, and the Canadian Film Center's Media Lab, the series uh, that we're calling New Realities at Startwell, will bring together all sorts of people from C-suite executives at corporations that are developing technologies and placing them in consumers' hands to technologists, hackers, futurists, innovators that are creating uh, innovations that startups are using to investors in this space who have a lens on what the commercial viability of this sector is to all sorts of other people. Uh, last night's interactive panel on the topic of augmented reality in retail was moderated by Amanda Costco, the founder of Electric Runway, and uh, features Charles Byrne, the CEO of Patio Interactive, Farina Contractor, the head of Walmart's innovation community, and Matt McPherson, who is the COO of Quantum Capture. As always, we invite you to come back to startwell.co to find out more information about our community, how you can join us as a member on campus on King Street West in Toronto, or virtually. So head over to startwell.co slash programming to find out what events are happening. And you can also go to startwell.co slash community to review media that was captured at our various events and, uh, and even live in studio when we've done recordings in person with people. All right, I'll leave you to the conversation and uh, welcome any feedback. You can drop me an email, as always, uh, to Kasim, that's Q-A-S-I-M, at startwell.co. Hi, everybody, and welcome. My name is Amanda Costco from Electric Runway. I am a journalist and entrepreneur focused on the intersection of fashion and technology. And I created a little bingo game for our panel tonight. So on your seats, or if you were lucky enough to receive a bingo card from me when you walked in, um, those are kind of the AR and retail buzzwords. And so if you hear us say one of those buzzwords, use something to mark the word. And the first person to get a line is going to get a prize. And then the next person to get, I think, a box around the outside will get a prize. So for prizes tonight, I have two wearable tech items. So this is just to keep yeah. everything, you know, spicy and interesting. Why is Walmart a buzzword? Because <laughs> you're going to say it, because we know you're going to say go. it. Done. Check. So Check. before I get my panelists here to introduce themselves, um, I'll just say, you know, we've seen augmented reality being used in fun and games and in filters for popular apps like Snapchat and Instagram but what is its role in retail? That's what we're here to talk about today. So if we could start with Charlie, I'll just get you to introduce yourself and explain your kind of professional role in augmented reality and retail. 
Uh, so my name is Charlie Byrne. I'm founder of Patio Interactive. Uh, we've been doing augmented virtual reality for about four years now. Uh, we Before this, I was in digital and e-commerce and in retail strategy. Uh, so it blends nicely into what we're doing now. And now we're working with companies, uh, business solution-focused uh, work for helping to figure out how XR, AR, VR uh, actually fits and makes sense with their business. And you've done work with uh, cannabis companies and Boston Pizza, lots of different types of retail activations here in Toronto, right? Awesome. And Farina. Hi, everyone. I'm Farina Contractor. I lead tech implementation for Walmart in Canada, and I head up the Walmart innovation community. Hey, everyone. I'm Matt McPherson. I'm the COO at Quantum Capture. We make virtual humans. Um, main product we have is called Control Human, and what it does is it uh, basically embodies the conversational AI systems that we're starting to get used to. So think of Alexa or a Siri conversation, but with a real-time, fully animated uh, body and head attached to that so that you can actually have some sort of presence. So in the retail world, as we'll get into it, we sort of see this as, uh, you know, in, in support, um, virtual sales associates, virtual Walmart greeter, that type of uh, application. Um, and we're uh, just piloting it right now, actually, in Denmark, close to Holland, kind of, right? Um, <laughs> uh, at a uh, at a um, uh, automotive dealership uh, through a partner over there as well because you know who likes talking to car salesmen nobody but if the car salesman doesn't have a, a commission attached to it maybe they're gonna people will be uh, a little bit more comfortable. It sounds scary and it is right. It's Absolutely. the brave new world. Okay, so this is for this is an open question. Let's talk about AR and retail. Does it make sense? Where does it make sense? Where does it not make sense? Because we've seen a lot of gimmicks over the years. So I'd love to hear your opinion on that. Yeah. Um, so when we are looking at different innovations within Walmart, we tend to be more problem-focused. So there's, especially in the tech community, we sort of over-engineer. And we try and just um, build out these exhaustive solutions where it doesn't really need to be um, that way. So and like tech for tech's sake sort exactly. of thing. Yeah. We've seen um, that, right? Everyone's seen that. Uh, and so the way that we look at evaluating different uh, solutions is we'll say, okay, what's the problem? What's the impact of the problem? What's the multiple alternatives? And why is this one the best solution to solve that problem? And uh, so when you're looking at AR, um, specifically, some of the use cases that we've seen that are that's adding value to customers would be, let's say, uh, wayfinding is one of the obvious ones that comes up, but um, there are alternatives that are much cheaper. You can just walk up to an associate and say, hey, where's this product? Or if you're shopping there, especially with Walmart, with your weekly shop, you kind of already have this in the back of your mind or the way that you design the store where uh, if you've been to one of our uh, renovated stores, no matter where you are in the store, you can see different sections and see signage. Uh, so in that case, you really need AR for wayfinding. Um, one use case that I haven't really seen but I would love to see, so if you're looking for problems, come talk to me. We have tons of problems at Walmart. Um, I hope no one's recording this. Um, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh well, uh, <laughs> tomorrow will be an interesting day. 
Um, but uh, like I was saying, one of the use cases we'd love to see is, let's say, um, there's this big health trend. Everyone's looking at calories, looking at products, and saying, OK, like, is it gluten-free? Is it vegan? Is it organic? So um, as a consumer, if everything kind of on the shelves was lit up based on some filters that I added, that's legitimate value that will get me to pull out my phone and take like three extra steps. Uh, in retail, you're focused on either like a seamless customer experience. So you need to make sure that if you are getting the customer to do like three, four extra steps, that the value that you're providing is just as high. So that's just one on the customer experience side. But there's tons on the back end um, side with like picking and logistics, for example. But I can go on talking. Yeah, and we'll get into the back end of the retail experience as well in a little bit. But I'd love to hear from uh, from Charlie. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of uh, AR for AR's sake. Um, people do over-engineer, so it's, you know, um, and this is actually, you know, painkillers, not not vitamins. Thank you, Ruji, our interaction designer. She taught me that one. Uh, so the the issue is, yeah, you know, I stole from her, and she <laughs> stole me. So the AR experience you're creating should be a painkiller, not a vitamin. Yeah, and I know Fair enough. The, the questions you ask are, like, when, when is retail, like, retail is... is tied with marketing, and marketing is fluff, except for when it comes to AR. Sorry, it's just like, you know, you, you have different mandates, right? Mm -hmm. But but at the end of the day, if, if it's going to be lasting, it's going to have more than just something cool that you play with once, and then you delete from your phone, or you don't even download in the first place. Right, yeah. We've had that experience. I had that experience with the Zara AR app. It was just not interesting. So just so we can get a sense from the audience, how many people here are from retail? Show of hands. Okay, anybody here from, uh, I, I'm assuming there's a lot of AR people here. Any uh, developers or marketers, people who are working in AR? Very cool. To figure out where the rest of you are from. Well, we know that there's a big group from Holland as well, so wel welcome. <laughs> um, Matt, did you want to add to that? Um, no, I mean, I, I would just echo that marketing dollars are, are, are always fickle, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they're, it's kind of the next, I mean, there's always value when there's something kind of new and shiny. Um, and, you know, uh, all, all clients, anyone who's sort of doing marketing kind of likes that shiny new thing. But, yeah, you know, you might sort of download it, use it once, put it away. Um, it's those lasting use cases, um, you know, uh, those um, things that are really adding value, not just to the customer journey, but maybe to the kind of usefulness. You think of the um, uh, IKEA app. I'm sure a few people have done, you've used that, the IKEA Place. Mayfair has a similar app where you can actually visualize these things in the home that are going to enhance that retail experience. Uh, Sherman Williams uh, paint selector app as well. These are things that aren't really just about marketing. These are things that are probably driving sales uh, for those for And those solving customers. a big pain point. And solving pain so point. do you think that with the invention of uh, Facebook Spark AR and AR Kit, it's removing that friction? Are we going to start to see more augmented reality experiences because of the tools that are now embedded into Snapchat, embedded into the Facebook camera? Yeah, I, I think... You know, I sort of look at those enabling tools in, in two categories. There's the creator tools, and then the ones that are sort of enabling technologies for the creators and the developers, and then also the de the deployment enablers as well that push it out to a wider um, uh, a wider audience. Just think about the development of you know ARKit, ARCore, um, completely revolutionized the developer community into not sort of creating their own sta standalone apps, being able to create. Um, you know, apps that they could push out uh, 
uh, push out their products uh, a little bit more universally. Um, I, I, I did want to put in one thing I think is going to be the biggest enabler, and, and uh, Isaac had it up there on, on the screen, is what was called Mirror World from the Kevin Kelly Wired article, um, which is really just talking about the AR cloud. And when the AR cloud comes and we do have everything completely mirrored, like this place can have a universal device agnostic, um, you know, every, every object, every place that's at least fixed has a, is, a, is based on a, a digital twin um, of, of the real world, then we're going to have, I think, that, that for me will be uh, a, a bigger abling, enabling technology than, you know, AR, AR Core AR Kit. How do we get there, though, when, like, we're still struggling with 5G internet, for example? Like, how do we get to this cloud where AR can live, which we're talking about? I mean, I, I think right now it's the mad, the mad rush, right? Like, I think Google would like to create it. I think Samsung would like to create it. Um, I know uh, Matt Miesnick, 60, uh, 60i, is working on it as well. Um, Ari, uh, I should mention Tom, buzzword bingo, Tom, Tom Emmerich. Uh, <laughs> One of, uh, um, uh, one of his partners, the um, founder of Super Ventures, uh, or, uh, um, who's sponsoring everything tonight, uh, is uh, heading up the uh, OpenAR. I think it's called OpenAR Cloud um, as well, which would, uh, essentially we need that, you know, that connective tissue. I, I like to think of it like, um, you know, the, the, the web or the internet was kind of kicking around for a while. Nobody knew what to do with it until we had search engines. And search engines kind of gave that, that structure. And I don't know if necessarily a search engine is the best analogy to the AR cloud. It might be more something along the lines of maybe the TCP IP is what we need, that, uh, that, that sort of framework or platform that will enable across devices and across users to be able to have um, common resources or sort of like uniform, uh, uniform resource uh, identifier kind of framework. Very interesting. Did you want to add to that, Charlie? Just. On that note, uh, if you can bring AR into the web framework, I think, because people are already there, uh, that's where you can then see it. And it, we're just, Miller Lite just did a okay web-based AR. And I think if, if we can draw in with the, the user base from the web uh, for AR, that would be a big unifier already. Very cool. So a little ways away, but we're getting there. Okay, so let's talk about smart mirrors. I love smart mirrors. <laughs> I think they're the coolest thing. Why are they so hot right now, and how can we expect to see them roll out in the future? I don't think that they're the hottest thing. Um, <laughs> I like it. Um, so sorry to be a buzzkill, but um, this is one of those cases where, yes, maybe in the store it makes sense, and. Um, certain stores, it would make sense to roll it out. Uh, but um, we chatted about this with, was it Samsung that's building one for your home where you can have a smart oh, mirror? Uh, not Samsung. LG. LG, And one you. of the companies. Yes. <laughs> one of the tech companies is building uh, smart mirrors that you can have in your home. Like, What's the purpose of that? My mirror costs 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 200 bucks. Smart mirror is going to cost a ton more. I have a phone that I can use and use all the time. It's basically an extension of my body. Why would I need to go and get this like additional piece of uh, equipment in my home where I can just have an application that will provide me a similar experience? Um, what about for retail then? Forget the home. Um, it would depend on what type of retail. With Walmart, I don't think that 
it would make sense necessarily. Um, we are seeing a lot of customers uh, going online, and we want to kind of push them in that direction. If they're already going, we want to accelerate that. Um, and with a lot of these AR, I'm going to use one of the buzzwords. Um, hold on. Try Does before anyone have a line yet? Almost. I did. Oh, <laughs> you're welcome. All right. We have a hands. It's also we have a hands-free Bluetooth Cheers. beanie. Cheers. If we want to pass that. All right. So welcome. I expect a kickback. All right. So you were saying? Yeah. So I was saying that if the trend is shop online and you want to try before you buy, you're probably going to do it in your home. You're not going to the store. Um, so I'm not fully sold on that, and the experiences are not amazing yet. Um, there are some technologies. There's a company in Toronto, I can't remember the name, but um, they'll take a whole body scan, and I think getting your like true fit and an image of what you are and then having some technology that matches that with the clothing is probably an easier way plus having it in your home in front of a mirror saying okay based on my dimensions that you've picked up for me how does that fit yep. versus having smart mirrors in the stores necessarily yeah matt what do you think about that because you're working on 3d body scanning right yeah i mean just one one note on the the smart mirrors i think why that works for some brick and mortar retailers. Sorry, that's one of the buzzwords. Um, but <laughs> what'd you get? A full? I got a diet. Okay, we're going for a square now. Sorry, we already did the line. I should have clarified. We're now going for all around the outside. I know, I know. Sorry. But as part of that, I mean, anytime you can align, you know, with uh, with existing consumer behaviors, uh, where people go and are looking in mirrors to see how their stuff looks on them anyway, you can see how you're not really changing the way that people have to, they don't have to kind of go download an app, um, you know, get scanned, fit themselves, that kind of thing. They go to stores anyway, and they look in mirrors all the time. So it kind of makes... Uh, you know, some intuitive sense, I think, for some of these brick-and-mortar retailers, particularly um, where you're buying things for the body, um, you know, eyewear, beauty, jewelry, uh, and, um, and clothing and apparel, yeah. accessories. Yeah. Um, and I, I haven't, uh, to be honest, actually done one. I've seen lots of stories on them. I know that uh, top shops got a lot of buzz. Um, the There's, I think, a, and sometimes, I mean, if you think about it, it really is the, it's the same a smart mirror, your phone is a smart mirror. Right, yeah, right? your live and, video is a smart mirror. And so I think the main difference in the hardware there is that it's uh, it's the form factor, right? Like your phone's really small, so you don't really get a sense. But when you go into a smart mirror, which is essentially just you know a big screen, you're getting your life size, you're getting yourself actually in, in real size, which, which adds some value. Yeah, and I'm wondering how long is it until the filters that we're seeing on Instagram and Snapchat are actually shoppable. Instagram just announced this week that their feeds are going to be shoppable. So how long until the effects? Yeah, I want to buy that <laughs> rainbow shoppable. barf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, sunglasses and things yeah. like that. No, yeah. And there's a try before you buy augmented reality experience downstairs if you want to check it out after. Cool. Uh, did you want to add anything to that, Charlie? You're good for the smart mirrors. Okay. 
Very, uh, what a bearish on smart mirrors, eh? I was all excited about them. Okay, let's talk about AR moving from the smartphone to the world around us with Apple announcing the possibility or rumors that Apple is going to announce the possibility of an AR headset. You know, right now, as Tom always says, the smartphone is acting as a monocle for us to experience augmented reality. So we're holding up our smartphone and looking through it to see AR experiences. Um, but what about when that moves to heads up uh, displays and headsets and things like that? How is that going to change our experience, do you think? So that's already here. It's just on the B2B side. So Google Glasses didn't go away. They just moved to the back office so you wouldn't wear them to the bar and look like an asshole. So, a glass hole. Yeah. It, but, you know, HoloLens is focusing on B2B solutions for that reason. It's like if you're going to put something stupid looking on your head, it better have a, an amazing utility to it. So, um, you know, Apple made the Bluetooth earbud cool. Um, they're going to make glasses look like Isaac's, and it'll be cool. Smart glasses? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so I, I think that's, Apple is, is able to set trends and to change views on things, because you had the one guy with the single black ear Bluetooth, and he was, he was a loser. Then you have the two people with the, the two, I, I apologize here. If uh, <laughs> uh, you get the two, and suddenly it's just normal, right? And they've just, they've just integrated it into their ecosystem. Uh, so, you know, through the grapevine, we've heard Apple is working on this, and Tim Cook is pretty into it. So, he'll, they're going to try to make it cool. I, I hope it's not a flop. Um, at the at the end of the day, the biggest benefit to smart glasses of any capacity is definitely in the back end because it actually helps. It actually does solve problems. Uh, it helps uh, in so many different use cases on the B two B side, anyways. Yeah, for example, like Pickers and Amazon are already wearing the Vuzix heads-up displays so that they can better wayfind through warehouses when they're fulfilling orders. That's a, a real pain point, right, to be hands-free. Um, so that's super interesting. Uh, I want to talk about the relationship between AR and AI, because we tend to think or talk about these things as separate, but they're really not. Um, Matt, can you tell us about how AI plays into the avatars that you're creating? Sure. I mean... AI, I, I mean, AR, I think, is a little bit easier to define, um, right? We, I think we all kind of know what AR is. But AI, people throw this around in very, it's a very loaded and very uh, diffuse term. Um, I mean, it really means when you're talking about intelligence, you're talking about, um, you know, dozens of different, really, subsets. There's, you know, speech synthesis, there's cognition, there's perception, and the same things sort of then apply to synthesized or computer-generated uh, or computer-assisted versions of these things. We have, like, yeah, machine learning, um, speech synthesis, text-to-speech, um, image processing, all of these different little elements. So I think what's becoming fairly colloquial is how we see AI, how, we, how, how everyday people interact with AI. So, for instance, at Quantum Capture, when we, we talk about conversational AI, and that's really kind of just three subsets of it. It's the, um, when you speak to the avatar, one of the pieces there is, okay, what I say has to be uh, um, converted from my speech using some speech recognition into text. Then that has to be you know, sent somewhere, and then that has to be processed by a chatbot in the background, another element of AI, so that an, a response is returned. And then that response, then again, has to be synthesized and sort of pushed through the avatar. So... That's one touch point in our specific 
sort of AR type application for, for artificial <laughs> intelligence that doesn't even touch on you know, dozens and dozens of other major fields of AI. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this, just to say that <laughs> the that you know a, I think there's some um, there, there's so much happening in AI right now, and I do want to put a little bit of a shout out to the Toronto AI scene with the Vector Institute, with some great startups that are that are popping up here in all sorts of sectors. Um, I was uh, actually speaking with a um, with a guy from Autodesk today, and they're doing lots of very interesting stuff in the AI field, and he was saying from the mothership. They kind of look at Toronto as this little country bumpkin outpost. Don't really recognize that, like, Toronto's the shit when it comes to AI. Yeah. Like, it really is. So, yay, Toronto. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I would argue there's a ton of, yeah, a hand for Toronto. All right. And I would say for AR as well, there's a lot happening here as well. Um, when you were talking, Farina, about the uh, wayfinding to find things in the aisles that are gluten-free, for example, there is a Toronto-based company, 3D Food and Drink, that is working on something similar, more for visualizing the calories and the ingredients and something that you're about to eat. Um, but I'm sure it could just as easily be used for something like that. Um, Matt, while you have the microphone, I want to ask because, you know, you're making these avatars, you're injecting them with AI, what are the ethical implications that you have to consider when doing that? And also, this applies to when we're thinking about augmented reality. Face filters, you know, a lot of what we're seeing in Snapchat and Instagram is for augmenting our appearance. Um, and usually it's, you know, for women to look like puppies or <laughs> the like. So what do we have to consider? And then when you're taking it even further and you're creating a being, that um, looks like a human, talks like a human, walks like a human, but is AI. Sure. Like I mean, so many, so many. I could talk, talk about this, honestly, for hours, the, the ethical conundrums that, you know, we face on a daily basis. Um, you know, one of, one of the big ones is, is definitely just even, I mean, and this applies to a lot, a lot of different AI fields, is the job loss that we're going to experience in the next, you know, five to ten years. I don't think anybody really is processing how, how major that's going to be. I mean, if you look at the transportation industry alone, which is the largest employer in the US when you count, you know, logistics, taxi cabs, like all everything everything to do with 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 uh, transportation and with autonomous vehicles, it's going to wipe out like literally millions and millions of jobs. And we sort of look at it too that what we want to do with our with our avatars is really kind of enhance experiences rather than displace them. But job displacement is is absolutely one of the ethical, uh, I, I think, um, issues that we're we're facing right now. Completely different direction, and a, a one that I find a little bit more interesting is the um, the fraud and uh, um, the identity the potential for identity theft. Yeah. I don't know if anybody saw uh, the Facebook research um, real time avatar animation videos that came out this week. Um, they were scary. they were scary, scary real and. Basically, if somebody could ever hijack your avatar in virtual reality or in any, even in any kind of augmented reality space, we're talking about the ability to really impersonate you digitally very, very accurately, um, at least your, your appearance. And then there's a company out of Montreal called Lyrebird that does really, uh, really accurate uh, voice synthesis. It just takes inputs. I don't know if you've seen the... Um, uh, uh, there's, there's one video that they put out of, of Obama saying stuff that Obama would never say. 
Um, and you know, you combine these two technologies, and you start to think about the state of uh, impersonating and 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 fraud and identity. You know, it, literally identity theft. That's when you can be no happening. longer believe what you see, right? It's fascinating yeah. to me that the main technologies of our time right now, augmented and virtual reality, are coming to fruition at a time where we're talking about fake news and this kind of not certain this uncertainty of what reality is. Um, yeah, it's it's really interesting. And then. Um, yeah, I think we have to accept that it's headed there. There will always be people and entities who want to create that. And there will be, at some point, some powerful company or organization or whoever who will create that. And I guess we have to just sort of accept that at some point, we have to be very skeptical of everything. When I saw the, the Obama thing, I was it was mind-blowing, right? Because I thought it was witchcraft. And I knew it was fake, and it was... But I know that people are going to, people are fooled by way less. <laughs> so I guess as a society, we're just going to have to accept, it's, it's not about saying, well, we have to make this illegal. Somebody's, it, there's, there's people who will benefit from that, from fooling people by cre using this technology in that way. And it won't, we can't just stop technology. So I, I guess it's a matter of accepting and having people understand how, that this is a thing. And, and to change their lens on society about what is real and what is not. Yeah, it's like any technology. It can be used for bad, it can be used for good. My brother is a, a virtual reality filmmaker and he uses avatars all the time in the films that he's making. Um, so you can see it, how it could be used as a tool for expression and creativity. Uh, but who owns your avatar, right? Not to go too down the rabbit hole of the avatar conversation, who owns the right to your digital representation, I think is a question that'll come out of all of this. Um, so we've talked about a little bit augmented reality for the back end of the retail experience. I don't know if we want to flesh out that conversation a little bit more before we take some questions from the audience. Yeah. Um, so we talked about picking, but we talked about it in a distribution center environment more to find the product. I think. Um, if you have been in a distribution center, the way that pallets are built, so the products are put together, uh, is through a sound system. So instead of doing that, and a lot of it just, uh, the ones that are really good at building the pallet, so perfect cubes with heavy items at the bottom, light ones on top, uh, do it through experience over and over, and they just kind of uh, get into a habit. Versus if someone's new, uh, they have to figure it out, the pallets are not built properly, products are damaged. So with AR, are you able to direct and visually tell, pe uh, tell the associates where to put the product? So that's one um, that I think needs to be developed. If it hasn't, we haven't found that yet. Um, then going back into a store environment, um, the product now needs to be put on the shelf. And we spend a lot of time, effort, money in figuring out which products need to be placed where, how many, etc. But between strategy and execution, there's always a gap. So if you can close that gap by providing some sort of AR where it shows the associate exactly where the products need to go, that's another one that would... Uh, save in like lost sales, etc. Yeah, so those are just a, yeah, that's exactly. Great. That's just a couple examples. Again, we have lots of problems, so I can share more. Sure. Do you want to talk about that at all? Walmart is also training their 
their staff for Black Friday in virtual reality, which I think is freaking brilliant because you. <laughs> yeah, not 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 just the store associates. Yeah, fighting skills, but also um, like trucking. Um, we have certain compliance uh, pieces that need to be met, and so this way we can provide even machinery training, make sure that our uh, associates are at the standards that we expect. Very cool. Okay, before we take some questions from the audience, we're going to go down the line and just talk about our favorite augmented reality consumer experience. Um, it can be something that you developed if you want to plug your own company. Um, Matt, why don't we start with you since you have the mic? Oh, I didn't know we were allowed to pick our own. Oh, okay. you can, well, you, can, you, no. can, you can plug two if one's your own and one's okay. someone else's. Um, no, I, I, I mentioned before, I, th I think the most exciting thing we're doing right now is a virtual car salesman, the virtual uh, sort of auto associate, because it's not really a salesman. It's not there to close the deal. It's just meant to have uh, you know, encyclopedic information about every line, uh, every line item that's sold by the car or sold by the car company, um, as well as you know, financing information. Really think about you know the ultimate the ultimate expert that can answer every question with a smile, but that's not looking for any commission. And we think that's kind of an, ex an exciting one that could be applied as a product specialist in all sorts of retail environments. Right, hospitality. Absolutely. Yeah. But my my favorite non quantum capture one is uh, the Lego. Um, I think it's called the DLB, the Lego Digital. <laughs> Did I take yours? <laughs> Okay, explain it for us. What so was it? So cool. It's um, it's just it uh, it sort of explodes and shows that then the finished Lego product uh, when you're shopping in the that Lego store. That was on the store. box, right? That was on the yeah. box. Yeah. And really you know, cool you always kind of want to. You go in there, and they're always building some of them. If you go into some of the Lego stores in the big malls, but you think about this for Lego, they can then have a way of showing every single completed one, every combination, everything like. And it's so cool, and I love Lego, so it was just a really special one for me. Good one. Farina? Do you want to go? No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> He's too bummed that his Lego example got I'll, taken. I'll buy you some time, but my answer isn't very exciting. I haven't found one. Um, I've been thinking about it because you had shared some of the questions. And um, yeah, I haven't been wowed by anything yet. Uh, I think that if there's the value piece that an app is able to provide me that I'm going to go to the app store and download yet another app to sign up, it better do something amazing. Um, my shopping habits like with clothes are fairly normal and easy, so I don't feel the need to download another app. But the food one, like if there was a way to say, okay, these are my criteria, find me what I want, um, I would download that app. So can someone please food, yeah, build it? If you're working already? on a food app for augmented reality, go see Farina after the panel. Yeah, please. All right, well, I guess I have a few others. Um, well, I'm curious, how many people here actively use an AR app for retail right now? Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's uh, you didn't build. We have stores that we own where we put in AR that allows people to shop. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
I saw that. Yeah, I think uh, speaking to the Lego example, anything or, you know, looking at any sort of package and then seeing what the possibilities are from the package in an interesting way uh, is, is, is good utility and it also uses the medium well. Um, I guess to plug our own shit a little bit, just because it's coming out soon, we are working on uh, a lot of cannabis retail, which is interesting because that's a whole different um, space with very specific and often changing regulations. And they're looking at ways they all want to have the Apple store of cannabis. They all do. <laughs> Uh, and they're looking at ways to. I think I saw a themselves. video of your company, and you were showing people the bud in augmented reality. But then, of course, they want to smell it. So you had these. So we had smell a vision, and we're working on even better smell a vision because you can extract the terpenes. Well, smell is psychosomatic, uh, and it's great for marketing. Um, and so, yeah, the idea there was uh, legally you can't show the buds, uh, and so we could show them in AR. That's no problem, and you can't. You, they can't smell the buds, but you can extract the terpenes, and they can smell the terpenes, and that's what makes the flavor profile anyways. So it was still, it was literally like, see the bud in AR, and then this person will hand you a, a sniffer. <laughs> so super low-tech. We put it together in like a month, but it was cool. And then we are working on, um, there are smart diffusers, so you could, in theory, have an SDK and, and build your AR app and then select something and then have that thing just waft Wow. <laughs> It sounds like Ready Player One. It just, it's very cool. All right, um, can we get some hands for questions? I'll just say while we're waiting for some questions, uh, Maudie Face's augmented reality experience for, oh yeah. Maudie Face is great, by yeah, the way. Yeah, for Sephora, everything that they've done, I've loved. But the New York Times did a David Bowie and AR article. It wasn't necessarily for retail, but definitely retailers who were selling clothes could get inspiration from it. And you could, you could place a David Bowie mannequin in your living room and examine the costume in detail from every angle. And it was just, it was, it was so cool. Um, that was my kind of light up AR moment. A lot of the stuff that the Times is doing with AR and VR is uh, fantastic. So, do we have anyone get a box around the outside for the bingo yet? <laughs> what words are we waiting on? Oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, maybe try to work it into your questions. I don't know. <laughs> Any questions from the audience for our panel? Drew? Um, kind of back to the, to the mirror thing. And I actually think there's a way to use the mirror to solve problems. So last week I was at Target. I have four nieces, uh, seven, nine, nine, and 12. So they all wanted to try everything on and talk about it and experience it together. So they picked about 30 items uh, that had to be put back. They then went and wore them in the change room where I couldn't go because of the gender barrier. But if there was, say, a magic mirror, we could have just looked through maybe some clothing together, picked only the ones that they actually wanted to buy, and then maybe pulled only those ones into the actual change room. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. Great point. I'm going to play devil's advocate because that's what I do. Um, how was the experience for them of going into the change room, trying something on, coming out, like talking about it, then going back into the change room? Like part of it is the experience of doing that. And so if you make things like super quick, it almost becomes utilitarian versus about the experience. So there is that element to it that you'd also have to consider. But as I was talking about it in terms of color, like from a retailer perspective, you don't want to have 
inventory. Like we have 400 stores across Canada. So if we have blue and red and green and pink of like a t-shirt, that's a lot of inventory and a lot of tied up capital. So if we use the smart mirror to change color, for example, that might be a way that we can showroom, but also have that experience. Just something to consider. I'm actually bullish on smart mirrors. I just yeah, um, I, I think that we, we need to just lower the price point. We need to improve some of the technology. Um, I do think smart mirrors in the house are going to be a great angle for trying on clothing or seeing stuff. As long as it sort of fits right. I hate shopping, and that's me personally, but I know that some people enjoy that. Um, or at least triaging, so you have like 10 items that you want to try, and then maybe you get it down to three, and then those are the three that you try in the change room, as an example. I, I do think it's there. It's just coming along. Um, I will say LG's experience that they showed at CES with their smart mirror, it was really good. It wasn't gimmicky. If you have a chance to look up that online and check it out, like it, the technology is getting there as opposed to looking like it's just a sticker overlaid on your body. I think we have time for one more question. Now let's make it a good one in the back there. Sure, I'm going to avoid the second question altogether. <laughs> but no, I, I, I'd, I'd like to... Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I will... Yes, which, which takes back to the you know, first part of your question, where um, really what we do is we sit on top of the the uh, the AI system, the conversational AI system. So we integrate with um, with the Google stack, with the Amazon Lex stack, and with the uh, and with IBM and Watson. And so each one of those has like a fairly limited domain of knowledge. They have skills. There's different ways that you can kind of then train it up in order to have an understanding of a certain domain. Um, there's some other AI kind of connector elements that you can say, okay, now. Uh, what I want you to do is go into this corpus of documents and analyze for trends in that corpus of documents. In, in this case, um, you know, spec sheets for uh, for automobiles. So it's literally limitless, but you can teach different ones actually really easily. Oh, absolutely. It's getting there. It's getting there. I think the more you kind of limit the domain of knowledge um, that this thing has, then the, the smarter it can be in that kind of narrow domain of knowledge. Meaning pick a niche and train your AI on that specific niche, whether it's car sales, vacuum sales. That's right, exactly. So that it so that it becomes an expert in that one area. I mean, if you ask the car salesman something like, you know, how's it feel to drive this car, um, you're gonna definitely trip it up because it's unless you're in Westworld. Unless <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Bingo! Woo. All right, so thank you. Okay, don't worry, yeah. So we have a Herschel with tile passport holder. Oh, you did as well. Okay, she was before. I'll have to get a runner-up prize for you. Thanks for playing, guys. Thanks for amusing me. Um, so we're done answering that question, or did you want to add something else to that? Okay. 
I think our time is up. There are some demos. Thank you very much. Thank you so much to our panelists and Thank catch you. them after the show. <laughs>